Welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I'll be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Caleb. It's been... uh... Sounds like a, a pretty good start. You got some exciting news over the break that you're going back to Disney again, which I'm insanely jealous of. Second straight year. It's uh, We're excited to go with some of our nephews, so it should be really fun with a lot of little kids going this time. Nice. I saw the uh, one video of your one nephew that uh, your sister-in-law Amy posted and uh, him kind of getting up and moving a little bit more, which has mm-hmm. uh, been very cute to see. Yep. What was the, what do you think was your favorite gift that you, uh, this is a two-part question. First, what do you think is the favorite gift that you got? And what do you think was the favorite gift that you gave this holiday? Oh man, those are, those are some tough questions to come by. Um, Well, my new hobby this uh, last year was disc golf. So I got some new discs for, for playing for next year. I got to test some of them out since we had a warm day the other day. Okay. Um, a favorite gift I gave. Uh, man, I don't know. I'm trying to even remember what all we got this year. Uh, <laughs> I got my uncle the new Madden, which was right before John Madden passed away. So it was kind of a sentimental thing then. Yeah, that's cool. I think my I think I think my favorite gift was probably the Pat Fryermuth jersey mm-hmm. that uh, followers on Twitter saw me post a picture with, and. Uh, I gave LB this really cool photo book of her and Zeke of like mm-hmm. photos I've taken throughout the year of them. And so uh, it was fun for her to open up that and, and be surprised. It was good, uh, but it was a good holiday season overall. Lots of good food, good time with family. And uh, I thought uh, the Christmas Eve service this year was a, a good reminder for the, the reason why we celebrate this time. So it was great, mm-hmm. and uh, you know now we're here in this new uh, year, but we're still in the same season—a season that, by and large, has been one of the more exciting ones in in recent memory. Yep. And so uh, we're going to dive first into a little bit of uh, news, and I want to start with this Brian Kelly story, Caleb. I am not at all familiar with it, so I'm going to kind of count on you here to yeah. uh, set the table for us. Yeah. So shortly after Brian Kelly was announced as the new LSU head coach, he was down supporting his new school at a basketball game. And he overnight grew a Southern accent while he yes. was talking to the crowd there. If you remember, we talked about that one of our last episodes. It was amazing. Yeah. And now he, while he was talking during their bowl game, he was not coaching the bowl game. He was up in the booth with the broadcasters and he was trying to describe why he gained a Southern accent. And his reason was that in Boston, they don't have an accent. Oh. Boston famous for not having an accent, clearly. Yeah. Very monotone (laughs) people in Boston. So I got to, I can't help but wonder, did he consistently speak with a Southern accent during the broadcast? I think it was more of his normal accent. Back to yeah. his, uh, I guess his Midwest Notre Dame accent. I don't know. Cause yeah. he also coached at Cincinnati. I think one of the Michigan schools. So I think he's more, I think he's more of a Midwestern guy nowadays, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, claiming Boston doesn't have an accent is uh, the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah. Such a weird guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
had a lot of news with the transfer portal. This has been a crazy season with transfer portals. Uh, big name dropped, and that was Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams. I mean, Spencer Rattler transfers to South Carolina. I think we all just kind of assume this is Caleb Williams' team. Well, uh, Caleb Williams is not exactly set on that. Mm-hmm. And so he has announced that he has entered the transfer portal to be able to talk to coaches at, uh, and talk to other programs to figure out what is the best for him as he wants to get ready to eventually become an NFL quarterback. Um, I had originally thought maybe USC go to Lincoln Riley, but, you know, Caleb, you had, you had pointed out too, USC got a really good quarterback recruit that had left uh, committing to Oklahoma and went to USC, so that's probably there. Mm-hmm. The, the latest name that I had heard as a really strong contender was Georgia. I feel like that could be really dangerous if Caleb Williams becomes the quarterback for Georgia for that SEC. Yeah, obviously Georgia will be losing a decent amount of defensive talent next year, mm-hmm. but if they can replace – nothing against Stetson Bennett, but we know that he can uh, He's be a delightfully a, uh, average quarterback. Yep, and JT Daniels is probably leaving, not that he played much this year. So, yeah, Caleb Williams going to Georgia would definitely raise their ceiling. Like you said, USC has the recruit for next year, five-star recruit. They got Jackson Dart, the five-star recruit, I think, from last year. He took over towards the end of the season, so – not that, not that you can ever have too many good quarterbacks in your quarterback room, but I think USC should be fine without Caleb Williams uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think they'll be okay, and you know you can tell that Oklahoma is going to be okay because they ended up picking up former University of Central Florida quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel was getting ready to like go start enrolling in classes at UCLA, and the next thing you know, never mind, I'm going to Norman. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense when the two guys who started this year are both out at the door at Oklahoma. Presumably, Caleb Williams is. He said he could stay, but he, he probably won't. Um, he's reuniting with uh, Jeff Lebby, who he, who is with at UCF. So he's off at Oklahoma as well now. So this is a perfect marriage as long as Dylan Gabriel can come back fully healthy. Yeah, and so uh, not too much of a drastic drop in talent there. Um, and like you said, if Dylan Gabriel's healthy, it's – even though Caleb Williams played outstanding this year, uh, Dylan Gabriel's still pro- potentially an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, a few other transfers. Keaton Slovis transfers from USC and goes to Pitt. Bo Nix leaving Auburn and going to Oregon. Uh, Caleb, between the two of these, I like Slovis to Pitt the most. I think with Pickett leaving, finally, you know, and, and they're looking for a quarterback for the first time in about 100 years, mm-hmm. uh, Keaton Slovis seems like a good answer if he can stay healthy. Yeah, the only thing I'm a little nervous about for Pitt would be uh, Whipple, their offensive coordinator, left. Mm. But he also left before the their Peach Bowl appearance. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I, as long as uh, they'll still have um, Addison, the top receiver there. So I think they should still be fine. But you, you just never know when you change offensive coordinators. Yeah. Especially when you have a more of a defensive coach as your head coach. Yeah. Uh, one last bit of news here. We had a lot of bowl games canceled. Hawaii, the Hawaii Bowl, Military Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Fenway Bowl, and the Arizona Bowls all canceled. Why were they canceled? Because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, the Omicron variant is crazy out there. And uh, I know that there are people that have different opinions on it. But, you know, having have a sister that is an ICU nurse in the COVID unit and having had enough people that have contracted it and knowing people who have had family that have died from it, it's serious stuff. And so... Uh, this is just an unfortunate reminder that we still aren't out of this thing yet and that we all, you know, we still have our parts to play in getting rid of this pandemic once and for all. 
Yeah, let's hope. Uh, hopefully, we won't be sitting here talking about COVID in next bowl season. Exactly. Please, please, please. Um, so that's the news, and uh, let's go ahead, Caleb. We had a lot of big games happen since our last podcast because it was bowl season. So let's uh, rewind here. Yep, let's start off with our favorite school, second favorite school, Western Kentucky. They beat Appalachian State 59-38 and an exclamation point on the season for Bailey Zappi as he breaks the single-season passing yardage record and single-season touchdown record. 62 touchdown passes on the season, breaks Joe Burrow in his incredible season of 60 touchdown passes, and Joe Burrow played an extra game there. So very impressive season by Bailey Zappi as he's off to the Senior Bowl in a couple weeks. Yeah, I was kind of sweating this game out at first um, because early on it was looking like it was going to be a little tighter than uh, than that. I mean, you go into the half and it was, what was it? It was like 31 to 24. Mm-hmm. And then Western Kentucky exploded in the third quarter with three touchdowns and, and ran away with the thing. Bailey Zappi looked great in it. And so uh, I was excited to to get to see him play uh, one last ride. And uh, he, he was fresh all around. App State put up some pretty good uh put up a pretty good fight early on defensively on a couple drives but obviously if you give up 59 points can you really say anything great about that defense no nope. uh, and so this was a case where the hilltoppers you know they they came out on top and uh, i think you and i were both thrilled by that result <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely uh next game here not that exciting of a game as wisconsin beats arizona 20 to 13 but Wisconsin's final drive here. They got the ball up a touchdown, obviously, with nine minutes and 57 seconds left. They ran the clock all the way down to zero. 18 plays, 90 yards. This drive started at their own three-yard line, and they were able to run out the entire clock. This is a dream, I think, for most, especially old-school head coaches and football people. Yeah, it was it was a big, big game by them. This is the Las Vegas Bowl, so you know I'm sure they were hoping for some uh, – some splash plays and, and a lot of fire, but you really weren't going to get that from a Wisconsin offense, and that defense was going to try to prevent any big plays. Mertz was 11 for 15, 137 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um, their their main running back, Braylon Allen, had almost 30 carries for you know about 160 yards. So um, it was a slower-paced game, and that's why, like you said, Caleb, they had that one long drive that, that ended it for them. Yep. Um, and the final one of these early bowls here, very exciting ending in the Music City Bowl between Purdue and Tennessee. Game went to overtime. Purdue wins 45-42 on a field goal in overtime, but not after Tennessee appeared to score a go-ahead touchdown. They got the ball first in overtime, but forward progress was ruled at the half-yard line. This was very controversial. SEC fans thought it was a touchdown. Big Ten fans thought it wasn't a touchdown, but uh, – so touchdown was was not ruled, and Purdue, all they had to do was kick the field goal and uh, win the game. So what were your thoughts on the ruling there, Phil? Yeah, well, you know, for starters, I'm, I'm not, like, super biased with conferences. I know some people are like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we want, like, such and such conference to have the best. Like, I don't care if the other Big Ten teams win. I want a really good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, sometimes it aligns that the Big Ten team is who I want to win here. But, uh, I mean, in this case, as I'm watching this, and, and I tweeted out about this, I really do not like the call here. I think it was clear that Tennessee scored. I would really like to see some sort of definitive or or some sort of ob- objective explanation for what forward progress is. And I think that needs to start to become reviewable in these sort of cases. Um, I was, Although I say that 
And the only way I want that to be the case is if they also start to limit the time that uh, teams can or that officials can review. I thought it was very clear that he got in. I thought it was very clear that forward progress was not stopped, and it was a great play by Tennessee. Um, and, you know, any other year I'd probably say, well, you know, the refs missed some, and it's just unfortunate you got to overcome it. But officiating has just been so awful this year. I like, I can't really forgive him for that. You know, I it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you thinking about it? Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand them, the people who wanted it to be a touchdown. And I think the way the rule has been called for basically for as long as forward progress has been a thing, that that probably should have been a touchdown. But I'm of the opinion in general that forward progress should be called stopped more often when um, so we don't have guys coming behind the pile and pushing people forward. Not, not obviously, yeah. that wasn't the case in this instance here. But I think forward progress needs to go more both ways. I think forward progress more so favors the offense in too many <laughs> situations that we need to get that more of a balance. We get uh, play fumbles blown dead because of forward progress that are more iffy. We get, yep. you know, like I said, offensive lineman coming behind and pushing a guy forward two, three yards to score a touchdown and get a first down that favors the offense. And none of these really favor the defense. And so I think when you get a good hit on a guy, when you push him back, when you really do stop his progress, I think it should be called more often. And so I was fine with it in this case. And isn't it funny too, that one of the reasons why they changed the overtime rules to what they are was to avoid player injury, but they aren't changing or they haven't changed so far being able to push a ball carrier forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that probably is going to create more injuries than an overtime is, but what do I know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and not to be overlooked, both quarterbacks had five passing touchdowns in this game, so great job by both Hendon Hooker and Aiden O'Connell. Absolutely. We're moving on to the New Year's Six Bowls, the, probably the most boring one of the six, or at least of the four non-playoff ones. Baylor beating Ole Miss 21-7, to and unfortunately Matt Corral suffered a potential ankle injury in this game early in the game, so backup came in, threw a pick six in the first half. That was the only scoring in the first half, and then um, Baylor was able to pull it out in the second half, mainly behind their rushing attack as Ole Miss's offense wasn't able to do as much with the backup in there. Yeah, and you know, they, about two days ago, Bleacher Report released an article and said that it looks like Matt Corral's x-rays are negative. And so, you know, there were a bunch of people getting up on their high horses about like, this is why we let players off out, blah, 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 blah. And I know that there were some other people on Twitter. I sent out a tweet that I was frustrated about opt-outs. I know some people didn't really like it. Um, but I'm okay with you not liking that because I, I really do think that opting out is quitting on your team. If anything, Matt Corral playing in this game, if I'm an NFL GM, it makes me like him more because he's willing to put himself out there for his teammates. And, uh, you know, before he went down, I was like, okay, this is a guy that – and he went down pretty early on, but I could already start to see his leadership on the field. And that's something that that's something that NFL teams like. And so even though he got injured and he left the game early, if I'm an NFL GM, I like the brief bit that I saw from him there. Uh, and so I don't want to hear this whole garbage of, you know – they're, they're making a business decision, blah, 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 blah. How about this? How about like players like Le'Veon Bell, whenever he opted out in the pros, he made more in a week than I make 30 years of teaching. So, like, you know, you can play one more game, and, and it's not like 
these guys are are getting these injuries and then they're never going to get paid again. First of all, that rookie minimum salary is really stinking high. Second of all, like Jalen Smith, Alvin Kamara, Adrian Peterson, uh, Tom Brady, all these other guys that got these like big injuries in the pros and they ended up getting paid big on their next contract. Uh, speaking of, like, let's go back again to Jalen Smith, Miles Jacks, Paul Puzlesny. There are three linebackers right there that had some pretty catastrophic knee injuries in college. They went into the pros and they got a big contract out of it. So this, this whole argument of the money thing, no, I don't like that. It's a selfish decision to opt out. Call me a boomer. Call me what you want. But if you if you're saying that you are a team player, you play with your team. End of rant. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's not as big of a deal to me. I think uh, there's. I guess I'm more on the side of there's probably very few players that really should be opting out in a given mm-hmm. season. A guy like Matt Corral, a guy like we'll talk about here in a second, Kenny Pickett, I feel like they can do a lot for their draft stock to really help them um, in these last final game or two if they decide to play the Senior Bowl as well or any other. Which other they post. both are, yeah, but they don't want to play in. They don't want to play in a bowl game, but they mm-hmm. want to play. In- yeah, so that's when if you're a really guaranteed high end first round pick, like I can kind of understand it, especially if you're going to play in. Not to discriminate between the bowls, but a lesser bowl. If you're playing, I feel like, to me, still, New Year's Six Bowls mean something, especially the Rose Bowl as fans of a Big Ten team. <laughs> if you want to – I feel like you should – if it was me, I'd definitely be playing if I got made it to a Rose Bowl or even the Sugar Bowl or Peach Bowl, something that's not quite as affiliated with the Big Ten. But I could understand if I'm a, I'm a definite – top 10 pick and I'm playing in one of the million tax act bowls or tax right. slayer bowls. It'd be like ESPN created this bowl just so they could put something on TV in the middle, in the end of December and make a couple million bucks off of it. You know, it's not for me to play an extra game, but in most cases, I think I'd lean on the side of playing the game. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say play the game too, because it's a better scouting report than like, I don't care if you can bench press like X amount of pounds. I want to know how you can play on the line. Like, mm-hmm. let me see that stuff. Who knows? Yep. All right. Moving on to the Peach Bowl, like we said, Michigan State stunning comeback to beat Pitt 31-21. Michigan State outscored Pitt 21-0 in the fourth quarter. Pitt was driving with their third-string quarterback in this one to try to tie the game or, or take the lead back, but a pick six ended the game, and Michigan State, very incredible turnaround for them this season behind Mel Tucker. Yeah, Mel Tucker did a great job. And, you know, Nick Patty was supposed to be playing um, – throughout this game supposed to be and he started the game the second string quarterback for Pitt but he got injured uh got taken down pretty hard and so Davis Bevel was having to go in and so again some people on Twitter were getting up on their high horse saying like this is why players opt out because blah 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 and they're like oh that could have been Kenny Pickett yeah I mean it could have been it can also be Kenny Pickett in the senior bowl it can also be him in the preseason but like also Nick Patty and Kenny Pickett are not the same human being. And so who knows how that hit's going to affect one body versus another. Mm-hmm. That being said, I thought Davis Bevel looked really good. He was 14 for 18, buck 49, one touchdown, and then obviously a, a costly interception there. Um, but if I'm not doozy or Tucker, I'm feeling really happy with how my team's played this season. This is a really good matchup. Um, and I, and I think this was a case where had Pickett played, uh, even though I'm not high on Pickett, the fact that Walker was out, I think they could have won this game. Yeah, Michigan State really struggled to run the ball without Walker. I think their leading rusher had something like 30 or 40 yards in this it game. It was 23 so yards. It 23 was Jordan Simmons. Yards. Uh, yeah, so yeah. really rough for Michigan State without their star running back there. 
yeah, it was not good at all. Another great comeback here, Oklahoma State beating Notre Dame 37-35 in the Fiesta Bowl. Oklahoma State was down 28-7 in the second quarter. They scored then 30 consecutive points to take a nine-point lead. Notre Dame tried to rally but couldn't do it. And again, big passing numbers on both sides. Sanders, four touchdown passes for Oklahoma State. Cone, five touchdown passes for Notre Dame. I love Spencer Sanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's your guy. He's been your guy for two seasons now. I know. He's, he's just rocking it, man. He looks so good, so crisp and clean out there. Uh, I doubt he will get much attention at the next level, but uh, I definitely think he merits some. Yeah, I mean, he had a pretty rough Big 12 championship game. He almost yes, he did. was able to lead him back to victory there, but uh, unfortunately was not able to do so. So yeah. he definitely needs a little bit of refining, I think. Agreed. He's a very raw talent. <laughs> yep. And then um, we'll talk about here the Rose Bowl, probably the mm-hmm. bowl game of the season. Ohio State beating Utah 48-45 and just astronomical numbers behind with Ohio State's players here, despite not having Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. C.J. Stroud threw for 573 yards, six touchdowns. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 15 catches, 347 yards, three touchdown receptions in this one. I think the 347 yards is a bowl record for any wide receiver. And Marvin Harrison Jr., he stepped up. He had five catches all season, three touchdown catches in this one for the second-generation wide receiver star. So it doesn't really matter who Ohio State puts out their receiver, it seems. They all just produce... Yeah, you know, going into the half, Ohio State was down 14. They were talking to Ryan Day about what they needed to do. They talked about cleaning up some things on defense, working out some stuff on offense. I mean, they made some great second-half adjustments here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also helped that Utah's quarterback, Cameron Rising, had to leave the game late with an injury. Um, And, you know, he wasn't even the the start of this year, and they couldn't go to Charlie Brewer because, you know, he was a loser and quit on his team and, uh, and left the program. But they had to rely on backup quarterback on Barnes and Barnes looked okay. Like he ended up throwing a tying touchdown pass there at the end, but Ohio state with, you know, their embarrassment of riches were able to move down the field and, uh, and win the thing. It was awesome. I loved it. I I love these big comebacks that, that are happening uh, in bowl games. Whenever that we, that we saw in the later bowl games, Uh, I I only wish the playoffs were better, were that good. (laughs) Yeah, and you just have to wonder now what uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba season would have looked like if he was the number one or maybe if he was just even the number two receiver on this team. He already led the team, I think, in receiving yards this year because Garrett Wilson uh, you know, missed at least one game. So um, he might even be he might be the best receiver of this trio and they still got plenty of options to come. Yeah, they they are not short of talent. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the playoff games. Boring as usual. I think, what is this, the eighth year, I think, of the playoff, and three out of the 16 games have been good games. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about the semifinals. Yep. National championship games have been a little better, I think. but uh, A little. Yeah. I, I would not say a lot. I would say <laughs> I would say you're right, a little. Yeah, when it's Clemson and Alabama, it's good otherwise. <laughs> the Georgia-Alabama one was good as well. So Yeah, one was pretty decent. So we'll start off with number one Alabama ending Cincinnati's magical undefeated season with a 27-6 victory. And it was behind the running game, not the passing game, as Brian Robinson Jr. ran the ball 26 times for 204 yards. Bryce Young did get three touchdown passes in this one, but just 181 passing yards. I think that's his lowest of the season. Uh-huh. And 
Alabama's offense just cruised much more than Cincinnati's as they won the yardage battle 482 to 218. So it looked like Cincinnati was kind of just hanging around there for the first half. And you're like, maybe if they can get a spark in the second half, but that spark never came and Alabama kind of just suffocated them. Yeah. I mean, for me, Cincinnati deserved to be in the playoffs. Agreed. Small schools have been ignored long enough. They deserved a shot. Now, did I think that they were going to win in the playoffs? No, but I think they deserved to be there, and and they were. Um, it was unfortunate that their offense never really got going. Not a not a great outing by the Bearcats, Desmond Ritter and, and company. But uh, you know, you're, you're playing a juggernaut. What do you expect? Um, Bryce Young, Mr. Heisman, yeah, not many yards, but he finished drives, and and that's the difference maker, isn't it? It's it's who gets to finish those drives and. Uh, Bama controlled the clock with their own game, got touchdowns, easy win for them. Uh, I will say, though, that this continues to like affirm my belief that, that there has to be a playoff expansion. First rounds cannot be this terrible. Like, it, it is awful. I It's getting to a point now where like I almost miss the BCS because I feel like there were better matchups in a lot of cases then than what we're getting now. Like, And it could just be this playoffs – selection committee is awful um and you know human error is doing this to us but ugh, it's bad caleb this one sucked and so the next one yep number three georgia beat down number two michigan 34 11 and that was with the help of a late michigan touchdown to make it kind of close stetson bennett played a much better game than he did in the sec championship game 313 yards and three touchdowns and yeah michigan was never gonna have a chance with turning the ball over three times a couple of Cade mcnamara interceptions along with a blake quorum loss fumble and again this one was basically over by halftime yep uh it's not uncommon for mcnamara to struggle with turning the ball over Quorum I was a little bit more surprised with in the game. Uh, but if I recall, that that fumble was kind of a an unfortunate like uh, breakdown of blocking that led to some guys getting to him faster and taking him off guard. That might have been that one where it was like behind the line on the right side, but I could be misremembering that and thinking of another fumble from another team. There are a lot of bowl games. Um, some would say too many, and I'm starting to kind of agree with them. You know, it's kind of like, it's like, you know, Caleb, we're both Disney fans. You watch The Incredibles and and what's his name? The the one villain guy in the first one yeah. says, like, if everybody's super, no one is. Mm-hmm. If everybody's got a bowl game, like, are they really that special? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like them um, just because it's something to watch during right. the last couple weeks here of December. So I don't mind having all the bowl games. Yeah. But can we make them mean something? And so that's why I'm like, mm-hmm. if we expand the playoffs, that's, that means there's more games that matter. Mm-hmm. Like, there's got to be something. Yep. Yep, I agree. And yeah, yeah. So disappointing semifinals again. Played them on New Year's Eve again for some reason. And (laughs) ratings, unsurprisingly, were down. But ESPN framed it. And this is how uh, um, down they were that the rest of the the whole New Year's Six Bowls were up in viewership, but the two playoff games were down. So that's how well the other four bowl games did. Yeah, and (laughs) because they know the playoffs sting. And, you know... I will I'll be very blunt and say I'm really not looking forward to this national championship game. Like I'm so sick and tired of these rematches happening again and again and again. And especially like in this case, it's a game that we literally watched at like the end of November or like early December. I can't yeah. remember whenever the SEC championship was. But yeah. like we just watched this game. I don't mm-hmm. want to watch it again. But. Yeah, I mean I do th- I think it's the two best teams, so I'm okay with Agreed. it. But I under- 
But I understand it's like, yeah, Georgia had its chance. They blew it. And so, yeah, if they win, if they win, it's like, well, Alabama beat them earlier. So it's kind of like that LSU Alabama. Yeah. 2011, 2009, something like that when they played. Mm -hmm. They beat them twice though. Right? No, LSU won the first one. It was that 9-6. Oh, okay. I can't remember who won the field goal. Snooze fest. Yeah, that game stunk. Mm -hmm. Not that the... And, and now they won about like twenty one nothing or something. It was, I was gonna say I think it was twenty one six. Was that? Mm-hmm. It was Alabama. Yeah. So hopefully it's exciting. Hopefully Stenson Bennett plays a little better in Alabama or Georgia's defense plays a little better because yeah. Or else I will not be staying up. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All right, Caleb, you ready to talk some Penn State news? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's start by talking about signing day. You know, we haven't mm-hmm. had a podcast since uh, a lot of these signings were made official, and so. Um, at the end of the day, we picked up 23 players who signed their letters of intent on early signing day. We had the number six ranked recruiting class. The only schools that had better classes than us were Texas A&M, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Texas. So I'd say that's pretty stinking good. Hopefully yep. we can uh, take this talent and turn it into some W's. You know, you you know, Caleb, and the listeners have started to realize I am not super high on Franklin anymore. I know he's a great recruiter. Um not super, super happy with coaching decisions lately, and we'll, I guess we can look at that more a little bit later. But no doubt, talent is there. Uh, five-star quarterback Drew Aller, he's the number 27 overall quarterback, number four. I'm sorry, the number 27 overall, number four quarterback. He's enrolling in January. I watched a video of him the other day, Caleb, and I got hyped mm-hmm. seeing uh, seeing his throwing motion and everything. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the day that he goes under center. Yeah, I really think um, with the way Sean Clifford kind of ended the season, I think if Sean Clifford's healthy, which he should be at the start of the season, he probably gives us our best chance to start the next year off with a with a good shot. But mm-hmm. if Drew Aller or Christian Veyu come in and outperform him, I hope that the coaching staff realizes that, gives them their shots, and aren't like, well, well, Cliff came back for his sixth season. We got to play him. You don't. You got to do no, what's best don't. for your team. Mm-hmm. I think Sean will realize that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at the ru- yeah. Yep. So the running back, you know, Nick Singleton, he's going back and forth between four and five stars. Mm-hmm. Has he recently settled into the? Did he just settle into the four star or? Uh, he was the four star when I put this together okay. a little bit ago. He might be a. He's. I think he's a five star in some sites. Yeah. Four stars on other sites. So because one of the one of the sites that tracks recruiting had pointed out that. Uh, Drew Aller and Nick Singleton, they're the first five-star quarterback running back duo that Penn State has had, I think, since like... Uh, Hackenberg or even before Hackenberg? Oh, no, like Anthony Morelli. It, it might have been. was a five-star quarterback, I think. I think it was in the 90s. Oh, don't say Anthony Morelli was a five-star quarterback. <laughs> yeah, don't he's, do that to me. Um, yeah, he's like, he was ranked even higher than Hackenberg, I think. Yeah. Or one spot lower, something like that. Somehow he was. Yeah, so hopefully Drew Aller is better than those two. Please, please. Yeah, Nick Singleton won a Gatorade Player of the Year, National Player of the Year, I believe. So yeah. he's yeah, he's going to be in line for some big time work if the offensive line can block for him. That's the hope, right? Yeah. So, you know, we could go over this whole list, but I feel mm-hmm. like we don't need to. There, nope. You know, there are a lot of people that follow this stuff on Twitter. I just want to ask a very simple question to you, Caleb, and, and I'll give you – and I'll go first on this. Which outside of like the big three, and that's Aller, Singleton, and Saunders, 
which of these recruits do you like the most or are you the most interested in? I will go ahead and say I'm really interested in this offensive tackle, J.B. Nelson. He's a four-star. Uh, he's the number two Juco. And so, you know, we need improvements on the offensive line desperately. Picking up a high-end recruit like this has got me excited at the idea of, okay, we can maybe rebuild the offensive line, use this guy as an anchor to, to really set up a strong run game. Uh, and so I really like the pickup that we got with Nelson. How about you? We got your eye yeah, and I think I know he's not a defensive back, but I think he might be from Lackawanna College as well. So that recruiting pipeline still going strong for junior college. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. There's there's a lot of guys I like in this one. I'll go with the obvious one up here though. Danny Dennis Sutton, number fifty five overall player, he's a defensive lineman from Maryland, <laughs> number one overall player from Maryland. Um, I think he'll he'll be the next great defensive lineman that Penn State has here. He the school he's from. A lot of other players that are currently on the team are from. I think a couple of linebackers, maybe Curtis Jacobs, from went to the same school as him. So he'll, he'll de- I think he'll fit in right away, and um, he might even get a chance to play right away. He's good enough. He's like I said, number fifty five overall player. So he's yeah. close to that borderline of a five-star player as well. And I think we'll need some reinforcements along the defensive line. So, And it'll be nice. He'll have a great lineman to learn from. Mm. PJ Mustafer announced that he's coming back next year. And so yeah. that's I think a PJ might be game. from that same school in Maryland as well. So there's a couple of guys from there. Yeah, I'm trying to think where he is. Yeah. And the other big thing I wanted to point out from the recruiting this year is mm-hmm. Penn State got back to dominating Pennsylvania. Nick Singleton, number one player from or number two, I think, player from Pennsylvania, depending on what site you look from. Drew Shelton, offensive tackle, number three from Pennsylvania. Makai Flowers, number four. Anthony Ivy, number six. Um, Ken Talley, number nine. So we got, I think, five or six of the top ten players. And Abdul Carter, number ten from Pennsylvania. We got six of the top ten players from Pennsylvania. A couple players from the Philadelphia area, which is what we had we really got struggled Prabula, with. Who's also from PA, number fourteen. Yep. Yeah, number quarterback down there from York area. So it's good to see that we got back and got back to our roots. Got the in-state talent there. I know Drew Allers from Ohio but that's fine as well. Danny Dennis Sutton from Maryland. So I know some of these guys are from other places, but still to recruit well from Pennsylvania, it's not Florida or Texas in terms of talent, but it's still a top 10 state in terms of talent. So you got to recruit <laughs> well there if you're Penn State, if you want to compete. And it's your state. Exactly. Keep the talent in-house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Caleb, I think we've delayed it long enough. Let's yeah. talk about the bowl game. Um. Yeah, this was... Can I opt out of this? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be the only person to because it felt like the entire team was. Um, Penn State ends up losing this game. What was it? The final score was 24-10. to 10. And it was... It was a train wreck of a game, I thought. But, like... You know, I feel like... I feel like a dad here. I wasn't mad. I was just disappointed um, in, in how the game played out because, like, it's very clear. If our players wouldn't have opted out, we would have won this game. I think even if Arkansas's players had been playing and our players had been playing, we would have won this game. I thought we clearly had the better talent, um, except for at one particular position, which we'll talk about uh, here in a moment. Let's first talk about the players who opted out. Brandon Smith, he announced pretty far in advance. And so even though I still feel like it's quitting on a team, I'm not as upset about uh, Ellis Brooks, I believe was another one who did that. 
Arnold Epichetti, Jaquan Brisker, um, Tangelo, Dotson, they all opt out. A lot of these guys waited until it was like three or four days before the game. Like, come on. I imagine that, like, maybe they told their coaches that they were going to do this before, but there was no official wor- word coming out of there. It sounded like some of them were at practices, so <sighs> I was very frustrated with the opt-outs, Caleb. Mm-hmm. And, yep, you know, no need to relitigate that, so. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I already spoke to it. Uh, offensively, Sean Clifford had a nightmare of a game. He was 14-32, to 32, 195 yards, one touchdown, two picks. He looked awful. He looked like he had no idea what he was doing inside the pocket. He was getting jittery. He was overthrowing players. He was underthrowing mm-hmm. players, but he couldn't hit them right on the like he he missed one wide open touchdown at one point in the game. He fortunately hit Keandre Lambert Smith for um, a touchdown that was wide open at one point. But then he has another opportunity where he can hit a guy wide open. It's broken coverage, and he misses it. Like, yeah. come on, Clifford. You're coming back for a sixth season. That means you've been here five years already. You've started three seasons. And, like, he's a guy that early on in the year, he looked really good. But then he showed, like, the the old version. It's like any time he gets injured, the rest of the season goes downhill. His first season, he was great until he got injured against Ohio State, and then he was a mess. This season, he was great until he got injured at Iowa, and then he was a mess. I don't get it, Caleb. Yeah, maybe it's just because they showed more shots of him after um, after plays, but he was looked yeah, really confused, frustrated after every missed throw in this game. And the camera seemed to catch every single time of it. And a lot of times, I don't know, maybe maybe wide receivers were running the wrong routes, but uh, Parker Washington looked great, so I can't imagine he was running the wrong routes. So. And it was, yeah, it was just baffling to see I understand, you know, Rashid Walker was injured in this game, so you're arguably best offensive lineman on a weak offensive line was yeah. <laughs> was not there, so that probably made things worse. Like we said, the you no know, Jahan Dotson, so your best wide receiver is not there. But I was confused why we didn't have more run of a run game. Clifford, I think, had by far the most carries in this game, but Devin oh. Ford, four carries, thirty five yards. Noah Kane, five carries, twenty eight yards. So those two, our top two running backs, are only really two running backs in this game. Nine carries, seven yards per carry. So they're getting three quarters of a first down every time they touch the ball. And we're like, nope, let's so let's throw the ball thirty four times in this game and only run the ball nine times with our top with our running backs. Was it Devin Ford or Kevon Lee that had the four for thirty five? Oh, yeah, it might be Keevan Lee, right? Sorry, yeah. I think I put the wrong name down there. No, you're all good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't – and that I didn't get either. I'm like, okay, we're finally being – like, we're finally running the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. So why don't we use some of that whenever Clifford's showing he's not having a good game. Uh, Parker Washington's amazing catch was amazing because of how poor of a throw it was by Clifford, I felt. Yeah. That being said, again, credit where credit is due. Holy cow, Parker Washington. I mean, I, I tweeted out that he reminded me of Allen Robinson – and then Allen Robinson liked the tweet, and I, you know, fangirled about it for a little while. Yep. But I mean, it's true. New friend he, of the pod, exactly. New friend of the pod, Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, Parker Washington. He he has the intangibles. He makes the spectacular catches. You know, he he has the reach. He has the speed. He has the drive each play, and and I love to see it from him. Yep. Um, like, I think we mentioned this before. We have no worries next year about the number one wide receiver, Parker Washington. Nope. I think we'll be fine. I'm not um, worried about wide receiver, period. Yep. DeAndre Lambert Smith is fine. I think we'll have someone else step up. Maybe we'll get someone from the transfer portal as well. But yeah, wide receiver should be no issue for us at, at next year, barring injury, of course. 
Yeah, Mega will be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Caden Saunders ends up playing, I imagine he'll be fine. Uh, tight ends, maybe. Yeah, maybe, and that'd be good. Um, tight ends didn't really produce that much this game, and, and that was disappointing. Mm-hmm. But you know, just yep. weren't schemed up, I guess. Defensively, I mean. They were but great the, in the first half. Yeah, they were great in the first half, and you know maybe they were tired from being on the field the whole first half, because uh, then they fell apart. But yeah, that first half, I was like, ah, this is what I'm, this is what I'm loving. Smith Vilbert, sophomore, uh, mm-hmm. three sacks in this game, Caleb. I had no idea who this guy was before the game, but you better believe I'm following him now. Yeah, I mean, we've had so many defensive linemen uh, shuffle through this season with injuries starting in the preseason with Adisa Isaac, then Mustafer obviously getting injured, Tangelo and Ebikedi dropping out and out of this game. And yeah, Smith Vilbert coming out of nowhere, three sacks all in the first half, along with Tarburton and Jacobs each getting a sack in the first half. And, you know, the defense was definitely tested in that first half, mm-hmm. but holding them to what, seven points? Getting a couple of interceptions from Jair Brown, who's coming back for another season, which is great. Good for him. And so, yeah, the defense racking up all the statistics in the first half there. Yeah. Um, Arkansas's quarterback, KJ Jefferson, was held in check passing. He was 14 for 19, but he only had 98 yards. And, and you know, again, there were two interceptions thrown in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think was one a trick pass? Was it like a pitch back to a receiver or something? It was something um, weird. I yeah, thought. or was it one something yeah yeah there was some weird time and then obviously the pick that jefferson threw but they have really struggled with the run game uh particularly in the third quarter and that was never kj jefferson uh really went off he ended the day with 20 carries as a quarterback for 110 yards and two rushing touchdowns we allowed 361 rushing yards i feel like that has to be like historically bad Caleb. like maybe like a like one of the if not the worst performance against a running attack yeah, probably at least for against Penn State. Maybe not all time in bowl history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just talking Penn State. Yep. Yeah, I think KJ Jefferson had 100 rushing yards in the third quarter alone. We kind of bottled him up in the first half, and then they couldn't stop like this read option or whatever they kept running. And even when they brought in the yeah. backup quarterback, when, I don't know if Jefferson got hurt or just got tired for running the ball so much in the third he, quarter. He had, yeah, he had gone, yeah, because it was just the one play, right? Um, yeah, I thought they. I thought he didn't play most of the fourth quarter, but maybe that was just because it was kind of they had no, they didn't need to. Yeah, that was. I was kind of uh, not paying attention as much in the fourth quarter. I had given up hope by that point. I mean, I had <laughs> went out at one point to go and try to find, uh, like, to go to like the market to get stuff because I'm like, this game, like, I'm not, I'm not letting Penn State hurt me anymore. Mm-hmm. We can't do it this season. Um, it was, yeah, it was frustrating. Special teams wise, Penninger makes uh, one field goal from 33 yards, misses one from 50. Stout, five punts, 39.4 average, which seems low, but a couple of them were, were really good targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the game was over, Jesse Lucetta, Rashid Walker, Jordan Stout, friend of the show, uh, all said, hey, it's been great. I'm going pro. Uh, you know, I wish those guys the best as they uh, seek to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited about that. I still don't think the transfer portal is done working here. I've heard names like Noah Kane. Devin Ford, and in some places I've heard even Veyu are thinking about entering the transfer portal. So don't be shocked if we uh, if we hear some of these big names saying, hmm, I'm going to go look elsewhere. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I feel like it's kind of getting to that point of the season where you can't do it too much anymore, but no. never know. Yeah, yeah, you know. just did it a couple of days ago. So, And again, if it's at the end of the season, 
that's fine. You know, thanks for being a team player. Um, yeah. yeah, I think unfortunately, coming, yeah. one of the unintended consequences of the early signing period was coaches are changing jobs earlier, you know, before even the end of <laughs> the regular season, before conference championship week, which means players start opting out earlier and entering the transfer portal. So I wonder if we need a, a redo here on the early signing window. Maybe. Uh, but, you know, some players that we don't have to worry about leaving are, like I said, one, PJ Mustafer. We had mentioned Jair Brown. Uh, long snapper Chris Stoll said that he's returning for another season. It's nice to have that position uh, yep. locked up as he continues to excel there, which is good. Um, for his sixth season, so he's really taking an extra advantage there. Yeah. He must be getting his master's degree. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, right. Yep, him um, and Clifford both six seasons, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Six seasons for a player in college. Yeah, I think there are some players this year that are like their seventh or eighth season with injuries and COVID and everything. So yeah, I was gonna say like obviously you know like guys like Case Keenum and Kenny Pickett like they I thought it was just rare to have a player play for like fifty years in college, but mm-hmm. yeah, it turns out COVID makes it a little longer. Uh, staffing change here. Oregon hired uh, special teams coordinator Joe Lorig away from Penn State, so we needed a new special teams coordinator. We hired Stacy Collins. Uh, he was previously at Boise State joining the team now, so uh, welcome to the team, Stacy. Excited to see, really excited to see what he can do. Um, we're in a good position special teams-wise. Hopefully, Penninger improves in accuracy. We got uh, Alex uh, Bacchetta coming in. He's the number two punter. and uh, Yeah, we had a top recruit last year to Sid Dehek, So Yeah, he was for- a five-star kicker, right? Yep, so yeah, I think we should be in good hands. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long Collins has been at Boise State, so I don't really know how well Boise State's special teams is in it. They had a bunch of kick returns a few years ago, so I'm not sure if Collins was a part of that group or not. Oh, we can only hope. Yep. Uh, a couple more bits of info here. Taquan Roberson, he transferred to UConn. Wish him the best there. Mm-hmm. Sorry things didn't work out for him here. Uh, but this, this was a big grab, Caleb. Oh, I, yeah. I mean... Honestly, we need to – we should probably at some point in the offseason one of us reach out to this next recruit to see if we can, like, generate any sort of opportunity to, like, do, like, a guest on the pod. And, like, we won't do a normal episode, but just, like, talking to him. Caleb, mm-hmm. I will let you give the honors about this information, yes. even though most people know it. <laughs> Mitchell Tinsley, wide receiver from Western Kentucky. That's right. He has transferred yeah. to Penn State. No, he's not Jarev Stearns, the guy who had 150 catches this year, but still incredible season for Mitchell Tinsley. So I think he can hopefully I'll come right in and, you know, maybe be a second or third wide receiver on this team. Um, so I have high hopes and we'll be keeping a close eye on him, I think, next season. Oh, I'm so fired up from the Hilltoppers to Happy Valley. Let's go, man. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Mitchell. Can't wait to watch a play. Exactly. All right, let's get into a bowl mania picks. You ready? Let's do it. Yep. After I beat you for second time in three years in the regular season, you crushed us. You crushed everyone in our bowl group this year, Phil. You are 25 and 12, first place in the group, 98th percentile overall on ESPN. You're doing great. I went 19 and 18 so far. So hopefully I finish above 500. I am tied for fourth place. Thanks to everyone who joined. I think we're at 11, 12, 13 players in the, yeah. in the league. So thanks to all of you who joined and 
had a little fun with us. Sorry that Phil crushed you, but that's why he's on the show, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, that's why Game Day needs to call us up. You'll take care of regular season picks. I'll take care of bowl picks. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a blast this bowl season. And there's been a couple games where, like, I like as I was looking through common opponents and thinking, like, ooh, do I really want to pick this team or whatever, um, ended up paying good dividends for me. So very, very happy about that. Um, and it, it's been fun. I do want to give – Throw some credit out there. Uh, Caleb, I don't know if you saw in our DMs, I've been talking a lot to Jim, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like I'm going to butcher his last name. So, Jim, if you're listening, I'm really sorry, and maybe you can record how your last name is said. Jim Cavallucci. Um, and, like, he started out the season, like, right there, like, pretty low in the rankings, but he's been climbing up the rankings. So, you know, credit nice. where credit is due, man. Nice job. Mm-hmm. And um, really excited as we uh, wrap up another great season uh, of college football, Caleb, and we got one game left. Neither of us are excited about it, and so let's just jump right into it. We got the national championship game presented by AT and T. It's number one Bama versus number three Georgia. Georgia is a three point favorite, but let's be honest, throw favorites out the window. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, they were my preseason pick. I picked them in the bowl mini episode earlier this off season, earlier in the season, a couple weeks ago. I'm sticking with Georgia. Um, I think these are pretty two pretty evenly matched teams. So Alabama got them the first time. I'll say Georgia gets the revenge here. Phil, who you got? Yeah, this is probably like a a very controversial take by me. But if Georgia doesn't win this game, I think they need to look beyond Kirby Smart. Like how many times do you have to lose to Bama in these spots until like, I don't know. Um, I picked Georgia too. I, I really like Jordan Davis up on that defensive line. I think he's really strong there. I think Stetson Bennett can calm down in the moment of the game and uh, and play well. You know, he doesn't have to be great. He just has to be okay because we've seen Bryce Young can be slowed down. Uh, we can, we've seen that good defenses can, can halt any sort of progress on him. Um, I think Georgia has a great defense, and I think they can stop Young if they, you know, they go into this game taking a breath. And, uh, and don't, like, overhype themselves for it. So, yeah, I like Georgia. And, like I said, I think it's going to be a pretty boring game. Who knows? I hope I'm wrong. I really do. <sighs> you know? Yep. What can I say, Caleb? What mm-hmm. can I say? <sighs> what a season it's been. I'll say it again. You know, Caleb, it feels like yeah. it's been – this might have been my favorite season of college football since the year of the, like – 18 number two teams in the country. Yeah, 2007, the greatest season of all time. That was so awesome. Uh, never be topped, probably. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we are uh, we're at the end of the show now. want to go ahead and thank the listeners for tuning into the podcast. You know, just a couple of buddies from college. We really enjoy talking about college football. And so rather than boring our wives with a conversation about it, we were like, hey, why don't we talk about it together? Um, if you haven't already... We would really love it if you could subscribe to our podcast. And uh, that way you get notified anytime new episodes go out. And if you could leave us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate that. It's just a simple way for us to be able to go out there and uh, be able to spread our love of college football with more and more people. Caleb, any final words of wisdom before we sign off? Go Penn State. We are.